The Hoosiers came up short this weekend against number eight Cincinnati in what was a pretty exciting game, but uh, ultimately left us with a lot to talk about offensively, defensively, from a coaching standpoint, certainly from an officiating standpoint. And we're going to jump into all of that today. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Locked On Hoosiers, your daily source for IU Athletics News. I am your host, as always, Jacob Rude, coming to you on Monday, September 20th. It was a frustrating weekend for the Hoosiers, an all-too-familiar script played out at Memorial Stadium, especially in that second half that we will talk about today. We have tons of takeaways, um, ranging from thoughts on that Micah McFadden ejection to uh, thoughts on Michael Penix. I have two pages of notes on my outline today, so we certainly have a lot to go through. We're going to jump in it quickly today. Uh, Before we do that, there's simply no better place to find out all the news regarding Big Ten than the Locked On Big Ten podcast. It's hosted by Nate Dickinson, does a great job over there. Be sure you guys are following that podcast wherever you listen to them. If you haven't already, please, please, please subscribe to our YouTube channel as we look to make, to grow that as quickly and as successfully as we have this podcast. Make sure you are following us on Twitter at LO underscore Hoosiers and on Instagram at Locked on Hoosiers. As I said, ton to talk about today. We're going to follow our normal format, three takeaways in segment one, uh, three notable plays in segment two, three players in segment three. We're going to try to get through all of it today. If we don't, we may push some of it back to uh, Tuesday's episode. For those that might have missed it, uh, the Cliff Notes version of Saturday is that the Hoosiers ultimately fall 38-24 to Cincinnati. That doesn't really tell tell the whole story. It was a tale, not necessarily two halves, but it, it was a game that had a very distinct turning point uh, before Micah McFadden was ejected on a questionable targeting call we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, the Hoosiers were absolutely dominant, both sides of the ball. He's ejected, and immediately within the next set of plays, uh, Cincinnati finds its groove and ultimately uh, outscores the Hoosiers 38-14 to 14 over the last about 35 minutes of the game. So it was a frustrating game, one that the Hoosiers also shot themselves in the foot quite a bit in and really have no one to blame but themselves ultimately on the day. If we're looking at our biggest takeaways, I... <laughs> The biggest one, there's a couple ways you can go. The biggest one, though, for me has to be this Micah McFadden ejection. I rewatched the game up to that, that play. I actually watched the rest of that drive. Cincinnati went on to score. Came late in the second quarter for those, again, that may have missed it. Uh, it was, I don't even really know how to describe the play. He was ejected for targeting. The rule itself has long, long needed revision. We, IU is certainly not the first school to feel hard done by with the rule. The call itself was probably the right call, though there's some debate there. It's the rule that needs changing. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir when I tell you that Mike McFadden's the heartbeat of the defense, which is what the broadcast said Tom Allen told them 
early in the game. I thought it was a bit of foreshadowing of what this game was going to turn on. But it was a play where McFadden blitzed, as he does often. He kind of wiggles his way around offensive linemen. It was either the right tackle or right guard and lunges for Desmond Ritter. As he does that, he gets a bit of a shove. Ritter gets hit from the other side. Ultimately, it ends up with helmet-to-helmet contact from McFadden to Ritter. By the letter of the law, it was targeting. That's what the officials went by. McFadden's ejected. That was on third down on a play that was an incomplete pass. Hoosiers would have gotten the ball back up 14 to nothing. McFadden's ejected. Automatic first down on the penalty. Cincinnati goes down and scores. And just like that, they're in the ball game and everything changed. My first point on this is the targeting rule is does not exist for this type of play. And that is the biggest argument for me for why this rule needs changed. Letter of the law that was targeting. The it needs changed either no mandatory ejection or there needs to be some discretion involved. I would see an argument for like a targeting one and a targeting two. Uh, similar to maybe in basketball where you have a, a flagrant one and a flagrant two in the NBA. Um, something has to change. I don't want to harp on it too much because, I mean, it isn't new. Anybody who's watched college football, uh, it's not something that's really hurt the Hoosiers too much. I can re- recall a couple instances. I believe Tigray Scales might have been ejected on one. Um, it's happened once or twice, but it's it's rare, so I don't want to harp on it too much, but it it has to change. And ultimately, this is going to be a moment. It was a you could tell almost immediately in that game. It was a moment you could tell as the game went on that everything had changed on that. I the only hope is it was simply a moment for that game and not a moment for the rest of IU season because up to that moment. IU was the better team against Cincinnati, a top 10 team. After that, they were second best the rest of the day. It was incredibly frustrating watching, uh, rewatching the game, knowing what was coming, and then seeing it play out. That was the turning point in the game. Uh, I did some stats on the rewatch. Before his ejection, Cincinnati ran 22 plays, negative uh, six rush yards, most of those coming on that strip sack. I think it lost 23 yards, pass, uh, 67 passing yards. So 61 total yards on 22 plays is 2.8 yards per play. After the ejection, it was 50 plays for 267 yards, 5.3 yards per play. Uh, there were tweets going around, I believe, from Matt Cohen of the Indianapolis Star. The Cincinnati had six uh, possessions before the ejection four punts, an interception, and a fumble. And then after the ejection, they had they only didn't score on one drive. It went touchdown, field goal, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown. I guess technically they knelt the ball out at the end. It changed the game. It's a frustrating way to look at it. IU can blame itself a bit, but that certainly changed the game. And, again, I hope it doesn't change the trajectory of – everything for the season for the Hoosiers. Hopefully they're able to bounce back uh, after that. But it was a frightening way 
for this game to change because it was out of their hands and it's it, it was handled wrongly, it seems. So, again, just frustrating was the only word I can think of after that. <laughs> Predictably, I went pretty long on that. We're going to take a break here. We'll come back and talk two more takeaways and try to zoom through that and to start looking at some of the notable plays of the game. Before we jump ahead, though, got to talk to you guys about prize picks. If you listened to me last week and joined prize picks, the two ones I suggested were Desmond Ritter over on half an interception. So basically, he would throw an interception and he did. And Ty Fry, or yeah, Ty Fry Fogel under five receptions. We are going to talk about him because he certainly was under that. You guys would have made money. I also said to bet on Cincinnati, which I took my advice on that when I didn't on prize picks, unfortunately. But you guys would have made money. So basically, listen to me. Uh, prize picks is a leader in college daily fantasy sports. If you guys do not know about them, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. They offer more props than you're going to find for college sports anywhere, more individual player props than you're going to find anywhere. Uh, anything from yardage, touchdowns, we gave you some interceptions, receptions, whatever it is. Uh, you can pick two to five players, pick some over and unders, pair them together, and you can win up to 10 times your amount. You can set it so if you only hit three of the five or four of the five, you still make money as well. Probably the feature I enjoy the most. It allows mixed sports entries, so if you like to uh, Ty Freifogel's under with something from baseball on Saturday. You could have done that. Or maybe later this year, Penix and Trace Jackson Davis, you can throw in a uh, a, a group together. Use the award-winning app on both uh, the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check them out today, guys. We will talk more about them this week heading into the Western Kentucky game. Now, I'm going to shoot through these next two real quick. One, one, the second takeaway for me is that Michael Penix, obviously we have to kind of talk about him. I'm not going to dive too deep into it because I'm going to save that discussion for Tuesday. There There was a lot more discourse than there should have been about whether he should be the starter moving forward. Again, I'm not going to dive too deep into it. He wasn't great, but also that was by far the best he'd looked this season. He, I thought his receivers massively let him down on the night. Still has some problems with the offensive line and getting set behind it. Cincinnati is also like an elite defense, like top 10 defense. So I think there's a lot of context that people aren't taking into account. Uh, benching him though, I think causes more problems than it solves. Again, I don't want to dive into that. If you guys want to hear that discussion, join me Tuesday. It's also worth noting he's getting x-rays. They didn't say on what, and we're going to find out Monday. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, we'll know. And maybe we might have to have an emergency podcast on Monday. Hopefully not. I know he was holding his left arm at one point in the second half. Hopefully it's all precautionary. Uh, the other takeaway is that IU just straight up shot itself in the foot. It Three turnovers in the red zone. The turnover on downs was frustrating because it was a it's a play the Hoosiers have run to success before, but Penix fumbles a snap. The O-line doesn't get really any kind of push. So he wouldn't I don't think he would have gotten it even if he didn't fumble the snap. Uh the interception, watching back, 
it looks like his arm got hit, which would explain the really, really bad throw, honestly. Threw it well behind the receiver, knowing what the route was. And then the fumble is just inexcusable. Like, there really is – you can't really say anything other than that. You absolutely can't have that in that situation. Uh, and that one, to me, hurt the most out of any of them. Though the first two – IU dominated the first about mm, 20, 25 minutes of this game, and it didn't show on the scoreboard because of those first two miscues. So I guess all of them together – not great. It was certainly not great. They also had far too many penalties that extended drives. Um, whether it was that or the lining up over the center on the field goal was brutal. The targeting call taking two timeouts in the third quarter was again, inexcusable. Um, it was just a lot of Tom Allen talked about, and we mentioned it last week that you can't make these simple mistakes in these games. And that's what's decided on. That's what it was decided on on Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday. So uh, you can't – I mean, they they ultimately have no one to fault but themselves. Way too many mistakes. Uh, they should have been up early – should have been up by more earlier, and even then they should have taken care of business later, and they didn't. Um, some notable plays that I wanted to revisit – we talked about the turnover in the red zone. I was going to talk about both of those. The fumble, I don't think it needs – revisiting like it was fairly straightforward he the ball got or the 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 defensive player hit him on the ball basically and knocked it loose uh not a whole lot to revisit there we talked about the turnover on downs in the red zone I was fine with the call and in a vacuum it was a fine call I mean I used had success with that um they rushed to the line tried to catch him off guard they've done that before if you remember the Purdue game in double overtime um, that's how they won the game as they rushed to the line and made the quick uh, QB sneak call. Peyton Ramsey gets in, and they win the game. <clears throat> Excuse me, and they win the game. Um, it was just that Penix fumbled the snap, and the offensive line got no push, so there was no hole to go through. We talked about the interception. It was really good defense by Cincinnati. It was a bad throw by Penix where it looks like he got his arm hit. And it was consecutive turnovers in the red zone. But the one I want to also revisit, we're going <laughs> to, I want to try to insert some positives in here on the day. Uh, the interception by Desmond Ritter, I thought, was really good defense everywhere by the Hoosiers. They line up on a three man front. They, they kind of mix and match. Charlton Warren talked about it, how they sometimes put linebackers down on the line, how they mix and match those, those guys. It was a three man front. Cam Jones had an A-gap blitz. Cam Jones, through those first 25 minutes, was everywhere and an absolute monster. We're going to talk about him. Micah McFadden ran a stunt from the right side of the defensive line up the middle, totally untouched, right to the quarterback. Causes Desmond Ritter to throw off his back foot, a horrible decision. Threw into triple coverage with Raheem Lane, Marcelino McCurry ball, and Jalen Williams all there. The ball's tipped. Marcelino ball intercepts it and Hoosiers have all the momentum again. It was great work on the defensive line because uh, Micah McFadden was there, and there was another defender about to hit uh, Desmond Ritter, and it was great in the secondary. I mean, you had two linebackers blitzing, so it's great in that level, and then the secondary had that completely covered. Again, I'm trying to insert some positives here on what was a frustrating day. If you want to rewatch the first 
like I said, 20, 25 minutes up to that um, targeting call, the Hoosiers look really, really good. And I ultimately stopped it there for a couple of reasons. Uh, I couldn't rewatch the whole thing tonight. I'm going to try to rewatch more tomorrow on Monday. I've been recording this Sunday night. going to try to watch more on Monday um, and try to get a sense of what went wrong. I, ha- I mean, we talked about some of the stuff. Some of it was just mental mistakes. Some of it was Cincinnati finding a groove and being a really wrong, t- really good team. And you can't let a team like Cincinnati find a groove. So uh, there were positives, even if it was a frustrating loss. It was a loss that you could feel coming once they started scoring at the end of the second quarter. It was one of those here we go again feelings where you knew how this was going to play out. So uh, frustrating, frustrating game that the Hoosiers had right in their hands for about half that day. So we will look at three notable players from the game, two offensive players, actually. We haven't talked a lot about the offense so far, so a couple offensive players and one defensive player as well. Before that, though, we got to talk about Sweat Block. I've, we've talked a lot about them. I keep telling you I'm a fan. I'm a user of these uh, Sweat Block wipes. They're doctor-created, doctor-recommended, antiperspirant wipes. Uh, I mean, sweat's an embarrassing thing to talk about. We've I've mentioned before there's nothing worse than being out at the bar going for that high five and everybody can see the sweat ring under your armpit. So this is the product for you guys. If you've, ha- if you've experienced that problem, um, it is a simple wipe that before bed you apply, go to bed, wake up the next morning, shower just like normal, and you're set. It's ready to go for, like I said, about seven days is what you're looking at for use. They have a dry shirt guarantee. If it doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. So manufactured in the USA, bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years. Uh, I personally vouch for them. I've used them. They It sounds too good to be true, but I promise it works. So if you're interested, go to sweatblock.com. Get 20% off by using promo code LOCKEDON. That is sweatblock.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off. Also need to mention our friends at Built Bar. I found out this weekend that me liking cookies and cream is a very controversial opinion. I didn't know that. Talking to some of the Locked On College uh, hosts and found out that there are very strong opinions about cookies and cream. But it's my favorite. I always like cookies and cream. Maybe you guys have a different favorite. Uh, For those that don't know or haven't tried Built Bar, they have nine delicious flavors. You have your coconuts, your cherry barcias your peanut butter brownie, your double chocolate, salted caramel. There's there's so many you guys can choose from. You can get a mixed box if you want to try all of them. But not only are they delicious, they're also healthy as well. Looking at 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. So they're amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Three players I want to highlight from Saturday. Again, try to head out of here with some positives. DJ Matthews, five catches, 120 yards, two rushes, 28 yards, and a touchdown. Absolutely stepped up to the plate on Saturday. 
Uh, we talked about the other receivers needing to stand out because we thought that Ty Freifogel would be uh, shut down by Ahmad Gardner, which kind of he was. He was also shut down by some drops as well. Uh, he the Ultimately, the, the IU receiving completely let down Michael Penix outside of Matthews, who was a big player all over the field. He had... He had the one end around where Stephen Carr, it almost looked like a broken play, but Stephen Carr's going to the ground, pitches it, or excuse me, not an end around, a reverse, and DJ Matthews gets the first down. It was an end around that he got his touchdown on, which if you watch the game on ESPN like I did, you didn't actually see the touchdown because somebody's hand went up as he crossed the goal line. Um, but DJ Matthews was all over the place offensively. He's really, really coming on after that big punt return for a touchdown against Idaho. He now has um, almost 150 um, offensive yards and a touchdown. He's becoming really dependable in that Watt failure role that was really important last season and becoming a kind of a trusted target for Michael Pinnock. So we'll see if that relationship can continue. Peyton Hendershot, we talked about last week quite a bit with Jared on Tuesday's episode about how he has to be better. He was very, very much better and kind of shut us up. Not shut us up. I'm going to give him props. Six catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown. In some ways, I'm going to spin this and say, this is what we told you because we said he was really important to this offense, and this offense looked a lot better when he was really good in it. Uh, That touchdown he had was tremendous effort to um, stay inbounds while having three Cincinnati players tackle him to get across the goal line. So uh, great work from him. I debated a couple different people for the uh, defensive player to highlight. I had Cam Jones in here initially. He was really, really good on the day. Finished with six tackles. Felt like all of those came in the first 20, 25 minutes. Uh, He had a couple of huge tackles that uh, really got the crowd going. That doesn't really factor into the stats necessarily, but a couple of really big tackles on uh, one in pass coverage and one on Jerome Ford at the line um, that really got kept the crowd into it. But ultimately, again, I, this might be the third week in a row we've mentioned him. Ryder Anderson has to be talked about again. How quickly has he become an absolute vital piece of this Hoosier defense? Really, from week one, I thought he was really good. He finishes with seven tackles, uh, one and a half tackles for loss, which includes the the strip sack for the second week in a row. He had the Hoosiers' lone sack, forces the fumble on Desmond Ritter. Shout out to the Cincinnati offensive lineman who inexplicably tried to palm that ball and pick it up, and I don't know what he thought he was going to do. Micah McFadden punches that out, uh, scoops it up, and the Hoosiers end up getting the touchdown on the Stephen Carr uh, reception out of the backfield, which I thought was a tremendous read by both Penix and Carr. Um, But that was a huge momentum swing. But uh, Ryder Anderson was everywhere again for that defensive line and has really kind of signaled um, how much that defensive line has improved. He is very quickly on a loaded defense, uh, become one of the best pieces on it and is well on his way to getting quite quite a few accolades um, at the end of this season. So 
that'll do it for today's episode. So a couple notes. I mentioned right now the plan is for Tuesday to do a basically full episode on Michael Penix. Uh, it's not a discussion I want to have because I'm pretty firmly in the boat of Penix needs to remain the starter. Uh, I will talk to you about why in Tuesday's episode. Barring anything dramatic happening in the press conference, like I said, they're going to tell us about whatever his injury was on Monday. And again, by the time you're listening to this, you may already know. And there may already be an emergency podcast out. Follow us on Locked on Hoosiers if there is on Twitter. It's at LO underscore Hoosiers. I will have an instant reaction. And uh, if there's something that has happened, and we'll determine from there whether we need to record a whole episode on it. If not, we're going to be positive. We'll talk about him tomorrow. Um, Episodes this week might be a little uh, wonky a bit. I'm going on vacation this week. Um, I plan on keeping the same schedule. They just may be up later in the day than normal, but I will be on vacation. There won't be a show with Jared on Tuesday. Uh, Ironically, he's moving to LA and I'm vacationing in LA. So we're going to see each other on Saturday, but uh, things should be back to normal. They should remain normal for the most of this week. I may be recording from a hotel room. Uh, I will be for those watching on YouTube, but uh, things should remain normal. But just in case something happens, um, it's because I'm on vacation, to be honest. It's a break right before the basketball season starts. And uh, I want to enjoy a little bit of time off before we get fully into the wild. So uh, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter. We'll keep you updated there at LO underscore Hoosiers. Subscribe to the YouTube. Again, I beg. We're just simply at Locked on Hoosiers on YouTube. Head on over there. Subscribe. Um, you can watch the podcast there. We're uploading them daily. And if you would rather watch them on YouTube, then, uh, we are there usually there before they're on megaphone or wherever you listen to your podcasts while you are subscribing, be sure to check out the locked on bets podcast with your boy Q and Lee Sterling. They have all the daily picks, the blowout specials, everything you could want. Uh, follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you guys get your favorite podcast. Have a great Monday, everybody, and L-E-O.